the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. A loaded up midweek edition of the Spot Track Podcast is off and running. Brandon Kravitz here along with my money man, Mike Janetti. Mike, uh, hopefully all is good in your neck of the woods. I know some ominous weather was bearing down on you there for, for a minute. So uh, just want to get a, a health check on you. Couple of big trees are down. Uh, the snow is finally here in Buffalo, so it feels like actual January football weather with the uh, playoff game just around the corner. It's all good. That's good. Good to hear because we have a lot to discuss today. <laughs> um, the coaching turnover has been as big as we have ever seen it in the sports world, and um, there's so many uh, more bits of news to come from everything that we've seen in just the last 24 hours. A lot of financial ramifications to be sorted through as well. So, um, of course, I'm talking about Bill Belichick parting ways with the Patriots. Nick Saban steps down as the head coach of Alabama. Oh, and by the way, it's become a footnote, I think, comparatively. Pete Carroll yeah. no longer the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. But we'll start with Bill. Um, 24 years, six Super Bowls. Uh, does he zoom to the top of all these vacancies? Does he zoom to the top of a want list? I'm already seeing Atlanta. I can't even picture that, by the way. Uh, I, I'm, as, I'm already uh, having arguments spot. about this, and and I'm glad you said that that way because I I, I get it. I, I get why that's the preferred landing spot, or at least the connection that a lot of these media members are making. But it's from a control standpoint, right? It has to be, right? It's that Arthur Arthur Blank would give him the keys to everything to try to fix everything. But is that really, isn't that why Bill Belichick just got fired from New England? And oh, by yes. the way, isn't the other reason Bill Belichick just got fired because he didn't have a quarterback? Do the Falcons have a quarterback? I, I see minus no. two quarterbacks on that roster right now. I see Taylor Heineke, who they wouldn't want to, wouldn't play the last two weeks because he had per game bonuses. And I see Desmond Ritter, who was supposed to be the next savior, who was flamed out by week four. Why would he walk into the situation? They have the number 12 pick. They may be in on a Justin Fields trade that's going to decimate their draft, right? What is attractive about this job outside of Bijan Robinson, Drake London, and an offensive line that's probably better than the one he's leaving in New England? There, there are better options here. You know, I realize the Washington football franchise has been an absolute disaster for a long time. That's a nice spot for him right now. There's a wide receiver. There's a running back. There's an offensive line. There's a defensive line. It's the number two overall pick. So you know exactly what kind of quarterback you're about to get here. I, I just think there are better options. And by the way, if we're talking about total control, and I know that's a big talking point still, he, it sounds like, and I, I'm the, the New England people around there are saying this, he offered to, to relinquish those roles, the power, the operations roles wow. to stick around in New England. He wants the coach. He, he he's okay with not being, you know, the all the all say or the GM in the right situation. So uh, to me, if if it's Atlanta or the field, I'm picking the field right now for a lot of reasons. Well, he's got a lot of options. And I wonder how many of these teams are just throwing that out there. Yeah, we're interested just to yeah. sati satiate the fan base or, or something like that, because he is uh, he's the biggest fish that's out there. But if he was willing to relinquish that role in New England, then then maybe he's willing to do it uh, somewhere else. He's got to be honest with himself. Yeah, I, he has to. I have too much respect for Bill Belichick to not think that he could be self-aware enough to know, OK, I'm not good at that part of the job. Just let me be a coach. And wouldn't that be more enjoyable anyway? As yes, you get up closer especially to at your his age. age. 
Yeah. yeah. Take take four hours a day out of your life and just focus on scheming. Walk into a situation where you have a defense you can control and manipulate and work with because that's his forte. It always has been. Um, if you need to bring Josh McDaniels back with you to to, to you know to resuscitate that part of your offense, do it. Right. I I just think that there's a world where he can simplify this. And isn't this about winning? Right, he's chasing this big winning record. Yeah, he's trying to reestablish himself as a winning coach because he hasn't been for four years. I, I'm staying the hell away from Atlanta. I'm staying the hell away from the Chargers too. I know there's a quarterback there. There's not much else, right? There's there's no, there's a lot wrong with that franchise, and I'll have more podcasts about that on my own for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I look at these. I think there's eight teams now available. Um, and the, the rankings that I have are much, much different than the rankings I see other people putting out there. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Alabama becomes an option. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Talk about work. Oh, man. Could you imagine that? Good. Um, so, you know what I saw? I want to get this in there. I, yeah. I, I wish I would have screenshot or, or remembered this. Somebody threw this out this morning. Do you think that this timing is not just coincidental that that Saban and Belichick and maybe a couple of other bigwigs are coming together to put together like some kind of consulting firm that sits above this power five situation and they just make a boatload of money with all the connections they have, right? They have agent connections, they have NFL connections, they have NCAA connections, they have the works, right? They could they could be the most dominant sports, you know, football consulting firm, middleman firm in the history of this sport. And by the way, I think college football needs it. I think college football needs yeah. a couple of old dudes that know what the hell's going on inside there that can bridge the gap between A and B. And and I, I love that idea. I love the idea of them kind of running the show and, and being the mediation process between college football and the NFL. Sounds like the football version of the Illuminati, but nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. I've come completely with you. I, I think the next step for Nick Saban, you can't go up from where he's no. been the greatest coach in college football history. The next step would be the czar of college football. And then imagine you bring Pete Carroll into the mix. Who's had, his level of success and Bill Belichick. And and I could see them sitting at the, uh, the, the head of the table, almost <laughs> like I'm thinking of like uh, for the nerds out there, like a justice league situation, you know, where they're yeah, just exactly. like it's Superman, Batman, the flash. <laughs> we're all sitting around a table, making big uh, decisions. Last thing on Belichick. I, uh, I did some homework this morning as soon as that news was announced. And I, I ran a bunch of numbers. I did the all earnings Patriots team based on Bill Belichick's tenure. So money that was earned as a Patriot while Bill Belichick was the head coach. You know, we spent 20 years talking about how Brady never had weapons and blah, blah, blah. It, the, the numbers never, never stop shocking me. All right. James White's the highest paid running back in the Bill Belichick era. J- wow. Julian Edelman. Okay. More than and Wes Welker. Way more than Corey. Corey Dillon made $11 million. All right. I mean, there was no money back then in the NFL. Things have changed That's a lot. True. But but Edelman and Welker, right, combined for like $70 million. That's going to be Justin Jefferson's signing bonus. Okay. I mean, that's where we're headed right now. Um, you know, Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is the number two tight end in terms of earnings. And that happened yesterday. Right. I mean, we're talking about a situation where it was a constant revolving door. Nobody really stayed too long except for like a Devin McCourty and for all intents, you know, Dante Hightower and Gronk and Brady, of course. But he did, he did do a hell of a lot of work on this roster every single year, you know, that that can't go unnoticed because 
A, you never have to pay that roster when it's constantly fluid, but it's also a lot more work for you as a sideline head coach. There's a lot of franchises that go the exact opposite and they try to be complacent and they rather throw money at a situation to keep it stable and hope that you can just continue to get lightning in a bottle every year. So I, I give him credit for going this route as the operations GM and as the sideline head coach, because he, he definitely worked probably harder than any other coach has in this generation of football. You know what I mean? Everybody else yeah. tries to continue, tries to repeat, 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 repeat. He never wanted to, he wanted a new, a new face in there that was going to save him four or 5 million. And he didn't, it didn't matter if it was extra work in July and August for him. Well, that's the beauty of having Tom Brady is it allows you to be yeah. an amoeba everywhere else. And then he did a really good job of finding the right stars on defense to start the dynasty and then the right quarterback that just progressed and matured and got better and better as time went along um, that allowed Belichick to rework this roster the way that he did constantly. And I do give credit like you do to the uh, the level of awareness that Belichick had of knowing what he had at his disposal and then also finding the right pieces for Brady. This is something that this yeah. is something that irks me with all the Belichick slander that's out there these days is that, well, Brady never had weapons, really. So he never had Randy Moss, who's on my Mount Rushmore of wide receivers. Um, Rob Gronkowski, who's arguably the greatest tight end in the history of the NFL. Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, who are arguably the two best slot receivers to ever play the game um, that and that to say that's nothing is that's blasphemous to me. And he helped bring those it guys is. together. It is. And there were some some really stealth trades. Uh, it, it was it was a really hell of a good run. I will never see anything like it. We'll never see anything like Saban. You know, the, the way that the college football has changed for good is the reason he's walking away, in my opinion. And it's the reason we'll never see anything like what Saban in terms of dominance had in Alabama. So these are two completely defining moments for two, two leagues here in the same sport. And it's, uh, I don't think it's accidental that they're walking away kind of at the same time. Right. I think Saban kind of read the room, read the temperature. They're very close, very close, uh, in terms of an off field pr uh, presence. So, uh, it's not an accident. It's, terrible for the sport of football, but maybe not, you know, maybe now we get to actually celebrate these two guys. Cause maybe they'll actually open up their mouths and talk a little bit about things. <laughs> but see, this is where, and I, I could, I don't think that this conspiracy theory that you saw brought up, I, I don't think it's that crazy. And no. it's something that the college football world could certainly use where I don't think this, I, I, I think this is coincidental uh, that it happened to just work out this way is that, Nick Saban most likely was just tired of the way that college yeah. football had been changing and thought my recruiting pitch of look at all these first rounders doesn't work the way that it used to, because now you've got to come with a bucket of cash. Mm -hmm. um, that used to be just, you know, something that sort of happened on the side. Now it's the number one thing you have to talk about. So I think that probably led to him wanting to step away from college football. Belichick doesn't seem done. No, no. And, not even close. And so it's not like, this was a community decision between friends. If they were both walking away from the game, I would buy into that. But Belichick probably finds another job. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Belichick and Carroll both going to coach in 2024. No doubt in my mind. Um, Carroll fought like hell to keep that Seattle job. That's all coming out this morning as well. So both guys at least get, put up a fight to stay in their current roles, which means they're going to transition immediately into something new. I think Saban just... For, for all the right reasons, read the room and said, this is not where I want to be anymore. And you're, you're dead right. It's not just, I'm not going to be able to churn out first rounders. It's, 
the lure of coming to Alabama is no longer the lure of coming to Alabama for my college career. It's for right now. And that's a terrible way to have to do business, right? Even the most important coach and maybe in the history of college football doesn't have enough power to keep a guy from leaving midseason before a bowl game, before a playoff game. It's all on agents now. And that's ugly. And you know it for sure. Yeah, I mean, he had guys that had Heisman-level talent that would just sit there and wait for their opportunity. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. No way. And uh, and so it's it's too late in the game for him to 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 change the young the young guns the Steve Sarkeesians. You've got no choice. You have to accept what college football is right now. But uh, but Saban does not. So back to the the, the NFL side, Belichick. Mm-hmm. Are you more intrigued to see where Belichick goes mm-hmm. or what the Patriots do? in the post Belichick era of, cause that's another angle to this is they got to fill that spot. It's a bad spot too. It, it's a bad spot to be in. You know, they didn't get the draft pick they wanted. They may have to push themselves a little bit or settle for hopefully the best, you know, hope, hopefully the best guy falls in their lap because that's where things are headed here. There's some free agent moves. I, you know, I've gone through that roster now. I, I have done the AFC East in my off season series. There's a lot of bad, right? It, it may be pain for maybe one, two more seasons at least. So it's not going to be the most attractive job out there. Let's put it that way, especially when you read the division and you know that Buffalo and Miami and even the Jets to some degree are all going to be better than you at least next year, probably for three to four years when you're talking about those top two teams. So I, I, I'm fascinated to see how the Patriots kind of about turn here. Um, I'm more fascinated to see where Belichick, if Belichick picks power or if he picks the right roster, because there is, to me, he's going to have that option. He's going to have the option of maybe four franchises. And we're going to know why he's picking what he's picking this, you know, the second that it happens, because yeah. the Raiders are in the chargers are in Washington's in Atlanta's in, you know, I'm not sure about Carolina. It feels like they're going a little bit more analytical and younger. And, and to some degree, Washington is too, but we'll There's know no way how- he would take a Carolina job. I don't no think so. Not right? with that owner. I mean, he, no, yeah, he knows okay. what's happening. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm fascinated about Belichick. I I, I, I kind of uh, wonder how bad this Patriot situation might get if it might go all the way down before it starts to come back up. Mike Vrabel's now all of a sudden available. He becomes an interesting candidate really as somebody who used to play there. But do you oh, stay yeah. on the defensive side? Because that's part of the problem, maybe, is that um, you didn't have somebody that that really understood how to get an offense going. Yeah, that's another move that Robert Kraft has to decide because he's got Mayo. He's got the option of now Vrabel, although I've heard there's some burned bridges there, so that may not be as smooth of a transition as we all want it to be. It's a a conversation to have. You know, There's a lot of defensive coaches still doing well, but it feels like that trend is shifting where your offensive uh, mind should be the head coach, and then you go and and overpay for defensive coordinators and backfill it that way, right? The Stefanski uh, uh, Brown situation seems to be working out. It didn't happen in, <laughs> with the Chargers for sure, but um, it seems like that's the direction most franchises are trying to go. That's going to limit of, of Rabel right now, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens there. But it, man, even if if I'm an owner right now and I have a choice between Belichick and Vrabel, I think I'm leaning Vrabel. Uh, is that crazy? It just seems like maybe he's got a better pulse on things right now. I love Mike Vrabel. I think the Panthers should hire him immediately. They need to establish a level of respectability to that franchise and he would bring exactly what they need. But I think it's, I I would say I'm going to give a cop out answer. I think it's situation dependent. (laughs) 
like Washington, Washington's perfect for Bill Belichick. I think so too. I really do. Uh, especially having the number two pick. So now you you're guaranteed to get a monster talent. Don't know if he's going to pan out, but you're guaranteed to get a monster talent at wider or uh, at quarterback Drake mm-hmm. May or Caleb Williams on top of everything they have on that roster, new ownership that really wants to change the just the whole perception of the franchise. He would help immensely in that regard. Yeah. So I think that would be a better move for them. And it'll be a great move for him, like you detailed. We got we gotta say one more thing out loud because it is absolutely a possibility. If Dallas loses this week. Oh my God. I yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a conversation <laughs> and it's not gonna be a fake one. Jerry Jones is going to consider this because yeah. this is a this is the biggest carrot dangling in front of him, maybe in this last decade, right? And he so loves true. it. He is so in on stuff like this. So if they lose, if they are a first round bounce again. It's going to dominate Monday's conversation. Just dominate. That's that's pure pure brilliance. Uh, Nick Saban walking away from the sport at the age of seventy two, as we've detailed. How much money is he leaving on the table? Do you have by, a guess by walking away? I found the number. Do you have a guess? Oh gosh, uh, I would say it's got to be. He makes eleven million dollars per year. That's right. He probably had a contract that was running at least to twenty twenty eight. Uh, I'll go 50. There's six years left on that sucker. Oh, dear. 72 million. He's walking wow. away from 72 million. Now it's being reported. He made about 130 in the 16 years with Alabama. I'm sure there's plenty more behind the scenes that went with that. And that be the, that's the top earner in the history of college football, right? No question. Yeah. And he had the top salary now for the past couple of seasons. And every time somebody trumped him. Alabama came in and stepped up and made sure that they renegotiated. So was that a clause in his contract or was that just something they did because he's Nick Saban? It's that's a really good question. I wish I had the availability to go and actually read that out, but why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't that be something where anybody, you know, I heard that for years. Jimmy Sexton, his agent put that into his contract that if somebody becomes the highest paid Nick Saban right on top, why didn't Patrick Mahomes get that? Seriously, I'm not joking. No, well, you're instead of going right. ten for four fifty. Why don't you just do a six year deal and say, all right, at any point in time, when these young kids come up and 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 the cap actually takes them over me, I get a free negotiation. I, yeah, I and there's very few people in sports happen. that can do that. LeBron, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Nick Saban. That the, the list is really thin. Yeah. Uh, but Mahomes definitely could have gotten away with it. Well, he gave Saban's the discount. Done? I think Saban's done. Yeah, now people are talking about him on college game day. I'm not ready to see that. Yeah, He'd be great Sports, on TV. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, I'm not ready for a college football world without Nick Saban. Uh, but this job is huge that just opened up. And I, in my opinion, it's as big as any NFL job that's out there. Is that is that going a step too far or, or do you agree? Well, I'm, I'll put this back on you because we both follow these worlds a lot. Would you rather be an NFL coach or a college football coach right now? just based on how the systems operate. If I were, if I were running a program like Alabama, like Georgia, those programs that are to some degree Mm self-sustaining, which is harder today with the changes in college football. But I think that still does exist. Ohio state. Does it really matter? As long as you're adequate at your job, it's like running Coca-Cola. You'd have Mm -hmm. to be so bad to drive that business into the ground. If I have one of those jobs, I'd rather be a college coach. I I can hire a million people to handle all the other stuff that I don't want to deal with. And I can be the figure. You're basically the queen. You're just a figurehead that is operating this 
this ship that is impossible to stop. All right. I'm completely opposite. Um, and here's why. And it's exactly what you just laid out. I feel like these guys are exactly that. They're sitting on a throne with hundreds of people below them where hundreds of mistakes can get made and do get made, right? And then all of the players now are all sitting on their own thrones, rightfully so. I'm, I'm glad they're getting yeah. their own. I'm glad they're, you know, that, that the rights and, and the money is coming. They have so little power and control right now. And they had too much, right? Five years ago, they had too much control. And I just think it's all getting taken away from them in a way that's going to actually hurt this sport. Uh, I'm all for parity. I, I don't want to see a dominance like we've seen Alabama have. I think that's not great for the sport. So I'm happy that some of these other teams are going to be able to step up a little bit now. I'm taking the NFL 100 out of 100 times. A, I can make more money. Belichick just walked away from $20 million or, or was re, you know, relinquished a $20 million salary for all intents and purposes. Well, but he, should be eliminate, he should be eliminated as an example in this discussion. I, He's the I only think coach Carroll, in the league with six Super Bowls. I think Pete Carroll was at nine uh, and renegotiated to 12. I'm pretty sure there's three or four coaches making 12 right now. Which is just, more than Saban just just walked away from. Saban's it's just so easy to get. It's so easy to get run off, even if you're doing well yeah, in the NFL. Matt, Matt Rule is going to be paid from the Panthers for four more seasons, Brandon. I see. So you're That's an you're targeting gig. You're targeting the paycheck. For sitting no, on the couch. I respect not, that. That's only that's only one point. My second point is this, and I realize we're running crazy long in this, but that's okay. This is the whole episode, I, Mike. I know, I know. There's nothing else to talk about, right? You don't want to talk about, you know, what the Mets are going to do if they get Dylan Cease. I don't either. Um, <laughs> I think the salary cap is is the real reason. Having the salary cap gives everybody a boundary. Everybody, and I realize it doesn't affect coaching pay, right? That's a separate conversation. But it does. It does rein in everything else. It allows coaches to say no to players. It allows coaches to say yes to players. They have. It is such an absolute war zone in college football right now. Right? It's nuts to the point of where you have to overpay by about fifteen times to keep a wide receiver or a quarterback right now, and you have to publicly say out loud what you're paying that player so that you get credit for it, so that when they leave in two years. The next guys know, hey, these guys go above and beyond. It's it's a mess. It's Can absolutely a mess, but you don't have to pay for it. And your program doesn't oh, have no. to pay for it. And this is how ridiculous the whole system is, is your fans are paying for it. Those guys must go home, though, and pound a bottle of whiskey a night. I just can't even imagine the stress. I can't even imagine. Whereas NFL guys work their butts off. There's a lot to it, but at least there's boundaries. College football needs boundaries immediately. And I'm not saying restrict the money. I'm not saying saying that you know what's happening is bad. There's just the manner of which it went about is literally forcing these guys out of the business, and and that's a shame because with any kind of any kind of boundary, I feel like they could have reined this in a little bit and slow played this process and built up to something that works for everybody. And by the way, it took football a while to get there too, like 50 years. So yeah. you know the NFL, it took a minute. So I do feel like the salary cap makes the NFL gig easier, right? And Belichick used the salary cap better maybe than anybody in the history of this sport, all right? He run he ran a $100,000 cap space into the new league year every single year of his tenure on purpose so that when somebody came to him and said, hey, I need a new contract, he's, he's shrugging his shoulders like, I'm sorry, we got nothing we can do. And then by August, he had you know 15 million of space and was able to operate properly with the practice squad and everything that needed to happen. So yeah. 
I think he had the advantage because the league set himself up to have the advantage and he made more money doing it. So I, I don't know. That just is where I'm, that's my head is. And, and, and in college, you have no salary cap. And if you want a player, you just tell a booster. Yeah. Pony up. Yeah. But you Don't know, country clubs and, and cars and houses, multiple houses and Saban's contract and Dabo's yeah. contracts look pretty darn good too. I will say um, to, to your point of choosing the NFL over college, I would not want to be in a world where I have to schmooze boosters constantly that I would, that I would not like. I don't even answer the phone. So I can't yeah. even imagine having to go do that as part of my work day. Right. You get the billionaire <laughs> who went to Alabama calling you at 2 a.m. and you have to pick it up. Yep. And, and you know you're about to get yelled at. <laughs> That's right. I'm only doing it. I'm only taking college if I'm Kirby Smart or Nick Saban, you know, the those guys. Jim Harbaugh now that he's won a championship. You're you're in the pulse down there. You're in the in the kind of like the southeast here. Do you have any kind of idea who this is going to be? Um, I, I can give you a list of names of options that would be out there. They have to go big game hunting. You can't just hire some hot coordinator. It's got to be somebody that it is established as uh-huh. a top level head coach in college football. Uh, the lane name, the name Lane Kiffin's going to sure. be thrown around. I'm not sure he's serious enough for that job. So I don't know if that's a great fit. Dan Lanning is going to be a name. If they can lure him away from Oregon, I think he'd be a top candidate. And the guy I would watch for more than anybody else is Mike Norvell at Florida oh. State. He has done a phenomenal job there. Disgruntled Mike Norvell. <laughs> he is disgruntled. Peak of the market for him. And can't beat him, a, join him, right? Can't beat exactly. him, join him. Right. Yeah. They're the reason you didn't get into the college football You don't playoff. think there's a world where Sark just completely buries Austin, Texas right now? I just don't think in today's world that it's that is actually a step up. I agree. Texas is going to the SEC. They've got more money than anybody else. They got the quarterbacks. Um, I too. think that would be a lateral move. I agree with that. I agree with that. I like your names. That's good. Uh, Lane, and then to me, Dion, Lane's I mean, on people the People are going to talk about Dion to get clicks, but well, that's not happening. Come on. Come on. Dion should be in the NFL. He really should. That's yeah. where the ratings actually could could actually soar and he could actually make a monetary impact on the world. Um, so I think that's probably next for him as he finds his way into the NFL. But we'll see. Pete Carroll's I, good. I, I wanted to I wanted to ask about Pete Carroll. There's yeah. uh, a, a wrinkle to this that I'm a little confused about. So he signed a five year extension in 2020. He's on the books until 2025. Mm-hmm. Um so there has to be some sort of a, a buyout situation, I would assume. I'll start there. Is there is that? Do you think that's the way that this goes? They pay him through twenty twenty five and let him go, or is that where the advisor role comes in? Yeah, because- I wonder if the if what was worked out is as long as you stay here on a you know ghost advisor role, we'll pay you that money, and if not, if you go if you go sign elsewhere, we're going to offset that money elsewhere. So I, I have a feeling that's what's happening. Um, which they're trying to keep him probably off somebody's sideline in 2024. And maybe it happens, you know, maybe, maybe there's a world where he does stick around as part of a transition. Cause honestly, that's kind of where I wanted to get to for the last couple of minutes here is what does this do for the Seattle Seahawks roster? You know, I, I kind of thought that they just missed. It felt like this roster had just kind of defeated themselves a little bit with a couple of injuries, but for the most part, they were going to run this thing back. And, and and add a little bit of meat to it and just kind of, kind of try to compete in that division. Is this a band-aid ripoff moment now? I think I don't 
I don't think they go uh, completely in the tank after a move like this. I, I think you could make the argument that this is the best job opening available yes. right yes. now. Fringe and playoff team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they are uh, a slight upgrade at quarterback away from immediately being back into the playoffs. It seems like that's the only thing that's holding them back. Geno Smith was a stopgap guy, mm-hmm. um, but everywhere else they've got good young players on defense. They've got good young players on offense. They've got good, solid ownership, great fan base. And um, I mean, they've been a successful franchise for going on a decade plus now, maybe even more um, that, and Washington is attractive because of where they are in the draft and the changes they've made through ownership. But if you're talking about a team that can be successful immediately, this is the best job opening there is. I, I don't disagree with that. And, uh, and I do think there's some malice to all of these candidates choosing this first. Does Geno Smith come with that? You know what I mean? Like, do you think that the that there that his point of contention is one of the reasons Pete Carroll is not here right now? Pete Carroll was very vocal about Russell Wilson for a bunch of years, right? And and the organization finally chose to to remove Russ, not Pete. Do you think it's the other way around this time? To to me, there's got to be a quarterback connection here. There has to be. And Geno Smith's got two years left, but they can walk Does away. He have from that him. kind of power, though. No. No, no, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. It, are we starting over at that position? Because if that's happening, then then probably other changes have to come with that. It's not just a one for one the way I look at it, um, because they don't have the draft capital, right? They don't have the draft position to, to immediately replace him with a sure thing. They're going to need lightning in a bottle again, which they've tried to be doing for the last 20 years, unfortunately. Right. And and not every team can obviously get away with that. So I just wonder, you know, is, is this a is this a big moment in Seattle or is it we know we're good. We just wanted to make this change right now and see if if a if a flip of the switch here could push us into actual division contention next year. You know, maybe it's Rabel. It, it very well could be, but I agree. Geno Smith, his days have to be numbered at this point. And I think there's enough of a quarterback surplus in the NFL. It doesn't feel like it when we're in the middle of the season, but then in the off season, we talk about a surplus yeah. <laughs> and, and it feels like with more, because more quarterbacks are ushered in that teams want to give a chance to, it opens up opportunities for other guys. And there are going to be quarterbacks, Justin Fields at the top of that list that become yeah. available where you could say, let's give a shot to that guy and, and see if that can usher in uh, a new era. So uh, you know, one other one other piece that I wanted to get to that is not NFL related. But since we're on coaches, yeah. Eric Spolstra, eight years, one hundred and twenty million dollars with the mm-hmm. heat. This feels like a it feels like a big market reset. But I think you could also make the argument that this is very much a unique situation because he's one of the rare NBA coaches that gets credit for his team's success. Usually, at least perception wise, the coach is sort of along for the ride and just helps steer the ship. But he's actually the reason this team does well. So is this a market reset or is this an Eric Spolstra contract? Yeah. Two points. Really nice, nicely framed by you, by the way, to me, this is a, we need to establish out loud to the rest of the world that this is the best coach in the NBA. That's what this is. All right. Let's get rid of the Popovich conversation. That's been gone for a while, right? Let's get rid of some of these other conversations. There are some great coaches. This is the best coach in the NBA. And now his contract looks like this. And I wonder, I know you've been a busy guy. I wonder if you saw the, the stories this morning about the timing of this contract. Did you see I it? I did not. Fill me in. Miami waited to process this contract until after his divorce was finalized. 
Oh, you know what? That's I, why we're talking about a mid-January. I saw the contract. headlines about the ex-wife. Uh, I thought this is this Phenomenal. feels TMZ. Such a Pat Riley thing to do, right? I mean, no, just knowing a little bit. So of that she didn't story. get any of the alimony or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to read in the. I'm not a page six guy. Okay. But just having that come up in my timeline with this gigantic contract. Uh, look, I think the world of this guy. I, I think he he is worth everything. The guy who started in the video room and made his way to this and is now going to be probably, I, I don't know, does he have another 10 years on this sideline at least, right? I mean, this oh, guy's yeah. not going anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. He's going to have to reinvent himself once the Jimmy Butler era ends. But there's a, there's just so many examples of how this guy has outcoached his coverage. It's uh, it's worthy. I'm happy for him. And, uh, and, and you asked if this is kind of a unicorn. I think it will be for a bit. You know, I don't have any, an example of who might topple this at some point in time. Uh, but it's going to happen eventually. There's going to be some young gun who who steps up and takes this thing over. I do think Ty Lue has that kind of capacity to him if he gets the right roster. His roster needs to get turned over, obviously, at some point in time. But there's a, it's going to stand there for a while. I mean, 8 for 120 as, as an NBA coach is just the next example of how much money this league has and is, it's not going away. Yeah, he uh, he's done an incredible job, and at some point, we'll we'll land a collection of players that um, where he can win sixty games a year, and, and probably ends up catching Greg mm-hmm. Popovich in that win record. So, if I may, uh, uh, Mike Janetti giving me the the platform to do this, and I greatly appreciate it. I'd like Commerce to take a time. quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I I would love to take a moment to promote a podcast production service that I have launched. It's called Authentic Audio Productions. I'll offer everything from commercial ad production um, that you can use at your disposal, promotion on my daily radio show in Orlando, Florida. And I can also help you launch a podcast just like this one. So whatever your business needs, sports or otherwise, let me be your guy. I'd love to do it. Authentic Audio Pro dot com for more details and thank you for letting me put that out there yes sir of course we uh we highly promoted it as you might imagine here with this uh weekly episode yes and uh and I, have, I have a blast doing it and today boy today was easy and my uh <laughs> i think my show prep is taken care of for later on that does it for today's edition of the spot track podcast if you like the content you hear on this channel follow rate review subscribe We greatly appreciate it. SpotTrack.com for all of the latest in the sports contract and transactional world. Till next time.